1: what is up bills fans welcome into the preview episode of shot of buffalo bills football podcast tonight brought to you by turning stone resort casino in verona new york ryan talbot matt perino right here in the house at the new york rec and social club ryan this used to be a nightclub and there are nightclub feels in this place there's tvs Everywhere we're watching basketball, there's going to be a Thursday night football game on here in a little bit, and we're going to preview a pretty big game Buffalo Bills, Los Angeles, Chargers. What's up, buddy?
0: Hey, not too much. What an unbelievable atmosphere here, Matt. You know, you look around, like you said, there's all the games on TV, you have billiard tables, dart boards, unit shuffleboard, you name it, you can play it here, and what a beautiful resort.
1: It's so beautiful. Uh, I've never been to Turning Stone before, but that is going to change in a big way. I I texted my wife, who couldn't make it here tonight because she's got to work tomorrow. The kids have school tomorrow. I said, school? We were just talking about this. We used to have like two weeks off. I mean, you're a teacher. You got to put in a word about this business because we need a little bit more time to celebrate around the holidays. Am I right?
0: You are 100% correct, Matt. Two weeks minimum.
1: Two weeks minimum. All right. Before we get into uh, the meat of this podcast, and we are going to take you through this matchup between the Chargers and the Bills, uh, I got a busy 24 hours here. I got to get back in the morning, uh, staying overnight. We're hanging out here tonight at Turning Stone right here at the New York Rec and Social Club to talk about the Bills. Uh, Tomorrow I head to L.A., and we're going to cover the heck out of that football game all weekend long because I think there's, there's some Bills fans that have a little trepidation about this matchup. Because they're in a situation now where you see the finish line. They're sitting here with all of the possibilities in front of you. You can be a wild card team. You can win the AFC East. I really think that's in the cards. But one loss changes the dynamics of everything. And that's where I want to start. Does this feel like to you a place where something could go wrong? And if it could go wrong, how can it go wrong?
0: That's a great question. Listen, previous regimes, it would have been very much like the Buffalo Bills to lose a game like this where you're supposed to win. But Sean McDermott does such a good job of keeping these guys focused. And the Bills also know that every game is a must-win game at this point, Matt. They've dropped some games in season that they should have won, and now they're a little bit behind the eight ball. So you come into this matchup. You have Easton at quarterback. You have no Keenan Allen. And you have a brand new head coach and GM. And, yeah, I, I know that there's the whole theory about there's that emotional lift. There's not enough talent. Oh, by the way, no Joey Bosa either. There's not enough talent for the Chargers, in my opinion, to make this a matchup.
1: I agree. And going into this, I said it on the radio a couple times this week. I don't see a scenario where the Bills lose this game. And for me, it starts with Sean McDermott, who's absolutely been in his bag over the last couple of weeks. I mean, there was three series in the Philadelphia Eagles games where I feel like things got away from them. Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles are a second-half team. They really do a nice job of finding what you're doing against them and exploiting it, and it didn't work in the second half. But if you look at some of the... Ways that McDermott has pivoted with this defense. Tyrell Dotson playing at a high level. On the defensive line, finding guys to add value, add production. You know, Shaq Lawson, we don't talk enough about him, but I feel like his stabilizing force on that defensive line, even though he doesn't play a huge percentage of the snaps, that's been huge. And then it doesn't matter who you put in the safety position. Micah Hyde out, Taylor Rapp in, Cam Lewis in, finding ways to make plays, and then you look on the other side of things here. They go in and they shut the Chiefs down, 17 points. The Dallas Cowboys were as hot of an offense as you could find in the NFL, 10 points. Now they go on the road against Easton Stick. And Sean McDermott has made his name on shutting down quarterbacks in their first few starts in the NFL,
0: yeah, that's just it. And listen, I watched Easton Stick last week, and he he put together a few nice drives, but there he were turnovers.
1: Yeah, he figured it out.
0: There were some turnovers by the team in general. Stick in general. This is a Bills team that is playing at a high level on defense, despite being without multiple starters due to injury. So, like you said, you can shut down Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs on the road to seventeen points. I would say three points to the Dallas Cowboys because the the touchdown was against backups. And now you have Easton Stick. They're going to stack the box. They're going to try to stop Austin Eckler, and they're going to dare Easton Stick to throw the ball on them. Rasul Douglas in the back end of the secondary, even without Micah Hyde, I think is in line for a big game.
1: And honestly, this is a, a great opportunity for Cam Lewis, who we've talked a great bit about to continue to make his name and his case for what could be a larger role in 2024. I mean, the Bills are probably not using a day one or day two pick on a safety. That just hasn't been in their M.O. And I think that if you find a guy, an unheralded guy like Cam Lewis, I feel like it fits the mold and what they look for at that position. You know, Sean McDermott talked about it today at his press conference. Lewis was a guy at UB who... Stood out, was almost like the face of that program when he was there. He did everything. And then he came to the Bills, earned a job, and has done everything that they've asked him to do, even the smallest jobs. I mean, standing out on special teams and finding a chance, finding an opportunity where he can get it. And I know a lot of fans remember the Justin Jefferson play as the one that looms large over Lewis. But I feel like we're – this is a story that's being written this season. Now with, you know, the Micah Hyde story – I don't know what's next for him. You know, I I think they're working his way back. He hasn't gone on injured reserve, which I think is a positive sign. But if he's not able to come back, I mean, we're one injury away from a very large role for Cam Lewis. And
0: listen, Matt, Cam Lewis made this roster for his versatility. He could play nickel cornerback. He could play safety. But last week, especially when you rewatch that Cowboys game, He looked like a natural fit at safety. This looks like a position that he can play at at a high level in the NFL. And like you mentioned, Micah Hyde, the stinger injuries, that's something very serious. He's an older veteran. Uh, The Bills might be looking for some new safeties here in the near future. And I think Cam Lewis can be part of that puzzle. So I'm intrigued to see what he can do in another matchup where, yes, he and Taylor Rapp split reps. But Lewis, I want to see get the majority of those reps.
1: And the offense that they're facing, first of all, from an offensive line perspective, Rashawn Slater is an excellent left tackle. But as you move across that line, I feel like there's opportunities for the Bills to generate some pressure. And that, to me, has been the story of this defense over the last couple of weeks is how Ed Oliver, even when he's not generating production, the traditional production of sacks, he's finding a way to affect the passer. Leonard Floyd over 10 sacks. Uh, Von Miller starting to kind of find it a little bit, a little bit more. I don't think it's been very sustained. Uh, He's had a low key practice week, and I wonder how much they're dialing him back to see if they can't save his best for game day. But for this offense around Easton Stick, of course, no Keenan Allen. But Quentin Johnston has been really underwhelming as a rookie. If you look at that rookie class of wide receivers, I'd say that. He's the most unimpressive, and I think that they're probably having a little bit of buyer's remorse at this stage because of the lack of impact plays that he's made. And the Bills with Rasul Douglas, you mentioned uh, Christian Benford. It's a really tough matchup for him and Josh Palmer.
0: Yeah, listen, my bold prediction, I already told our uh, boss, Chris, I I said Rasul Douglas is getting an interception in this game. I love the aggressiveness. I love the way that he jumps routes. Uh, Quentin Johnson has not looked up to par with the other rookie-wide receivers in this draft class. He has the size. He has a lot of the intangibles, but there's the drop issues. There's the lack of separation. I think that that's going to work in the Bills' favor because if Josh Allen and company can build a lead, Easton Stick has to throw the ball, and that's when you're going to have Rasul Douglas and Christian Benford jumping those routes, creating turnovers for this team. Up front, like you mentioned, how good has Leonard Floyd been for this team? Ten and a half sacks, gets a million-dollar bonus last week. He's going to make life miserable. Ed Oliver is good at collapsing the pocket. So they still have guys, even though they're missing some key parts.
1: Over 150 people watching live on YouTube right now. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel as well. We appreciate all of you. I want to tell you a little Rasul Douglas story because I've been watching him. He's really quiet around the building, you know. You know, he does his job. He comes on and off the field. When he does media, um he's to the point. You know, he's not um somebody that likes to hear themselves talk. You know, it's 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 all business. I was watching him in the field house this week and after practice since Josh Norman got to Buffalo, they've started to do this thing where they play this little game. I got to figure out what it's called, but they take one of the uh, offensive trainers and they go into a middle of like what looks like a huddle and they all kind of like link up and out of the middle of the huddle, the assistant coach throws the football up in the air and they all have to play like, you know, a 50, 50 drill. Like you got to try to uh, capture the ball or tip the ball away or try to catch it. I got to get the details of the game, but it's, it's intense. Like some of these after practice matchups get, really intense. And I watched Rasul Douglas this week. I don't know if it went bad for him the last couple of games, but he won this one, walked off, had the ball in his hands and threw it across and was like uh, "Call game, right? He's a very competitive player. And I think you're going to need that in a game like this, where I'm not saying that this is a trap game. I really truly don't believe that it is, but to have that competitive nature going into this game, it's very important.
0: Once they lost Trey White for the season, Matt, they needed that leadership role from a cornerback, and that's exactly what Rasul Douglas did in Green Bay. You had teammates of his saying they couldn't believe that they traded him and how important he was to keeping morale up and keeping these players uh, motivated. They would come to him and they would ask him questions, and he was their go-to guy. Once Trey White went down, it was a lot of question marks at cornerback. Yes, yes. You brought in a veteran like Josh Norman, but Norman, his best football's behind him. Christian Benford, Dane Jackson, they're young guys. Rasul Douglas might not be a guy that's out front in front of the camera, but he commands respect, and, and he just has that leadership factor that has, I would say, has played a big role in this team's turnaround the last few weeks.
1: We're here at Turning Stone Resort Casino, Verona, New York, inside the beautiful New York Rec and Social Club. Had a burger tonight. I was actually surprised you didn't get a burger. You're a big burger guy. I am. But you didn't get a burger. What'd you get? Steak garganzola
0: and flatbread. Excellent.
1: The food is delicious. The drinks are flowing. The TVs are massive, and they got a ton of sports. I mean, literally, this is the sports fan dream.
0: Absolutely a dream. You have the Syracuse Bowl game up there on the big screen. You can't beat it, Matt.
1: All right, I want to go to the Bills' offense here uh, in a minute because, to me, this is another big reason why I don't see them falling in this matchup because we've talked about them developing other pitches, right? They've had the fastball with Josh Allen, but now the curveball with James Cook is absolutely filthy. I mean, he is... One of the best players in the NFL. He ranks number three in overall all-purpose yards. How do you think the Bills attack this defense? Because to me, they're a one-headed monster with Bosa out. Khalil Mack is still generating pressure. He had five last week. uh, Five of their 15 pressures against the Raiders came from Khalil Mack. He had four quarterback hurries, no sacks in the game. But on the back end, I mean, Derwin James is not the same player that he once was. Their cornerbacks, Asante Samuel, really nice player, but elsewhere in the in the slot and on the outside, Michael Davis, I believe, it's bad.
0: Yeah, it's really bad. And listen, Matt, this is the first Bills team where I really feel like they can hurt you with the run. They can hurt you with the pass. I think a lot of teams in the last two, three years have said, we're not going to let Josh Allen beat us with his arm. They didn't believe as much in Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, some of these other backs that they had. But we've seen what James Cook can do. He's a difference maker. So I think the Bills are going to go in with a game plan, try to be more balanced in this matchup. And and if you can get Khalil Mack off balance trying to play the run, run right at him if you have to. That's going to open up the pass game. I just think that this is a matchup where there's not enough talent on the defensive side of the ball, the Chargers, to stop the Bills.
1: I mentioned Michael Davis, and I want to get into that a little bit because that to me is the the matchup to watch and maybe like that low-key player to watch. Probably one of the most polarizing Bills on the roster right now in Gabe Davis. Let's go to Michael Davis, the boundary cornerback for the Chargers. He gave up was targeted 11 times last week. He gave up seven catches for 112 yards and two touchdowns. Is this a Gabe Davis day? Because we haven't had one in a while. Three of his last four games, Gabe Davis, 0 for, no catches.
0: Yeah, I know. I think I've heard from a lot of people that have him on their fantasy team. Uh, we, we get a lot of the brunt of that, even though we have no say. I, I think this could be a Gabe Davis game. And listen, Gabe Davis hasn't been showing up on the stat sheet in terms of receptions. But he has been doing a phenomenal job blocking for James Cook and some of these guys downfield. So I know that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. It's kind of like the Ed Oliver, right, where all of his production doesn't necessarily show up. But in this game, Matt, I think that Gabe Davis could be someone that gets targeted uh, downfield in that intermediate range and produces four or five catches in this matchup, which is more than what we've seen over the last three or four weeks.
1: I wonder how aggressive Joe Brady and Josh Allen are in this game trying to get Stephon Diggs going. I felt like you saw a lot of sheer emotion out of Diggs on that third down catch that he had last week, which was absolutely spectacular. Um, I'm wondering in this matchup, I think Asante Samuel is probably going to get the assignment. He's probably going to try to travel with him. I think it's going to be a situation where I don't know if that's a great matchup for Samuel. I think this could be... If it's not Gabe Davis, maybe Stephon Diggs gets going. I don't necessarily think this is a game where they kind of lean into what they did last week and try to run the ball as much as possible. I think Josh Allen probably tries to air it out.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that, Matt. And listen, Stephon Diggs has not had the production that he had the first five weeks of the season or six weeks where he went over 100 yards five times. But they're finding ways to win. In a matchup like this, though, Probably a good idea to try to get him going, get him the ball. Uh, You can move move him around a lot. That's one thing I've really loved about this offense with Joe Brady, the pre-snap motion. Uh, If you're worried about certain matchups, you can move him wherever you want. I think that this is a game where maybe he gets back on the right side of 100 yards for the first time in a long time.
1: Look at the injury report uh, for the Bills. We mentioned no Keenan Allen for uh, the the Chargers. The Bills will be without uh, Micah Hyde, like we talked about at the beginning of the show. I was surprised that they're listing AJ Epinesa as questionable. I thought they would have ruled him out already, but he's trending in a good direction. He kind of detailed that rib injury earlier this week. Where do you feel like looking at the, the edge position? And obviously, Rashawn Slater, we talked about him. He's... A great player, and I think that matchup's going to be tough no matter who's there. But is this a game where maybe you see Greg Rousseau kind of explode a little bit as a pass rusher? His run defense has been so good this season, but he hasn't had one of those big, splashy games in a while. Maybe he gets out to the West Coast and gets after Easton Stick.
0: Yeah, listen, he has all the intangibles, the size, the speed, the pass rush arsenal has really improved. I could see Rousseau and Leonard Floyd both making life miserable for Easton Stick. This is a young, inexperienced quarterback. He's going to hold the ball longer than some of these quarterbacks that they see throughout the season that are known to get it out within three seconds. So this is the kind of matchup that you really look forward to if you're a Rousseau or a Leonard Floyd. Even a Shaq Lawson, who we said, doesn't necessarily get the acknowledgement that he deserves. A lot of guys good in run uh, defense, but... I think you're going to have three or four pass rushers be able to get after stick and, and make his life miserable, whether it's tip passes, sacks, uh force passes, where you get it out earlier than he wants to. And again, that leads to the cornerbacks jumping the routes.
1: What is up everybody? This is Matt Prino from shout a Buffalo bills football podcast here to talk to you about prize picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America prize picks is the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player staff projections and watch the winnings roll in football season may be over, but the action on the floor is heating up, whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you could turn your hoops knowledge into serious cash. You can now win up to 100 times your money on Prize Picks with as little as four correct picks. You could turn $10 into $1,000 with NBA, NHL, and college basketball entries today on Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT. S H O U T for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Again, download the app today and use the code SHOUT. S H O U T for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Um, couple things. We have a question here from the YouTube feed. Man of War. We we're we we're. <laughs> I love that nickname, Man of War. It sounds like a um, um, Call of Duty screen handle, right? a little bit. A little yeah. bit. Former
0: pro wrestler, too. Aldo Montoya, Portuguese
1: man of war. Relax. Relax. Okay, we did some wrestling talk last episode. Don't get crazy. Um, So he asked about Rasul Douglas, and we spoke about him a little bit uh, earlier in the show. What do you think the odds are of him getting a new contract next year? Because I think this is a really interesting uh, pivot into next season. He's got one year deal, one year left on his deal. I think it's at about nine million. I looked to look right. out the con- the contract, but the Bills can maybe rework that thing, bring down the number next season. Are you all in on extending him, and no matter what that means for Tre'Davious White, or do you think that the Bills will spend some time thinking about what it's going to look like with White when when deciding whether or not to extend Douglas?
0: I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but I don't think that Trey White is necessarily going to be Trey White again, Matt. This is the second serious injury that he has suffered. I think Rasul Douglas is the way to go. The play that we've seen out of him, I would try to extend him, make him your cornerback one, see still what you have in Elam, bring him in to compete, but be confident in what you have in Christian Benford, Dane Jackson, draft a guy in day 2 or day 3 to bring into the mix. But Trey White, unfortunately, it might be his last snap as the bill this year.
1: Yeah, and I think that no matter what the future for White looks like next season, you're starting to think two seasons, three seasons down the road and I don't know if you want to be investing in a cornerback at the at that side of 30 at that number anyway, and the more you kind of monkey with that deal, the more it's going to get challenging in 25 and 26. So I think finding a the problem here, though, that I keep coming back to, because I know a lot of Bills fans have been anxious about maybe just moving in another direction because two injuries in three seasons, maybe a decreased level of play. But you've got to think about the organization and how the organization views the player. To me, Tredavious White is almost a symbol of the Sean McDermott-Brandon Bean era of this football team. He was the first draft pick. He's huge in the locker room. Sean McDermott always brings up Trey White when he's talking about the culture that he set. But I think sometimes you have to make hard decisions, and that might be a hard one that they have to make.
0: That's just it. At the end of the day, this team has committed a lot of money to a lot of players. Tough decisions have to be made. This is one of them, and you're right. That was the first pick of the Sean McDermott era. The Bills trade back. Trey White was part of that uh, deal that they got in the trade with the Chiefs, and He looked like a cornerback one for the majority of his career. But when you have two serious lower body injuries like this, when you're getting close to the wrong side of 30, it's really tough to say we should invest money in this player and we can trust this player to be the shutdown cornerback that he once was.
1: We are at Turning Stone Resort Casino, Verona, New York, about 30 minutes outside of Syracuse. And if you're in central New York, Come on down. Uh, We're open till 11 o'clock tonight. We're going to be here watching uh, a little Thursday Night Football, Syracuse Bowl game. Uh, The bar is open. There's TVs everywhere. Come on down. Hang out with me and Ryan Talbot. Okay, I want to get a little bit more into this injury report because something that kind of coincides with this Trey White conversation is the future of Kyrie Elam because a lot of Bills fans are waiting and wondering – Is he going to come back this season? He's in the middle of or kind of almost approaching the end of his 21-day practice window. I think right now they're probably waiting on their hands to see if something kind of bubbles up in terms of a, a defensive back injury before making that decision. Jordan Phillips is on injured reserve. He can't return until the playoffs at this point. So now I'm wondering, does Elam get a roster spot? Because right now, He's still two corners away from getting into a game, and with Benford starting and not rotating anymore with Dane Jackson, I don't know if there's necessarily a path to play.
0: No, that that's a great point, Matt, but you're right. The open roster spot makes things intriguing. Kyrie Elam was dealing with an ankle injury throughout the year. If he really feels healthy and the coaching staff feels he's healthy, it gives them an option if they want to mix in some man defense let him use that athleticism. And while he would be a little bit buried down the depth chart, so to speak, you still have that athleticism. You still have that speed and you're just an injury or two away from needing a player like that. So it wouldn't be the worst idea with Phillips going on to the IR.
1: Uh, Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox on the injury report for the bills, neither with a designation. And I do think it's interesting that Dalton Kincaid has been limited in practice All week long. I actually talked about it on AJ Sabalski's podcast this morning, which, by the way, wow. So I need to – we didn't talk about this yet. We might have to pause here and and, and discuss this. So I went on AJ's podcast this morning, and it was a great time. 50 minutes. 50 minutes I gave AJ talking about the Bills. He's my guy. No problem doing it. We get to the end of the podcast, and he goes – All right, thanks, Matt. Next week, we're going to have the biggest guest I've ever had on a podcast. Tune in then. And I'm like, sweet, dude. Sweet. Thanks, man. So he tells me who he's having on the podcast. And by the way, he's right. It would have been the biggest and definitely bigger than me. But it wasn't you. And now I see that you are going on the podcast next week. Is that true?
0: No, it's not. I'm just messing around because people are saying – Oh, is it going to be Ryan Talbot? So I'm like, I made a fake graphic. I'm like, I can't wait to come on and talk about it. No, I'm not going on the That's pod at news. all. I am not the big guest. Not at all.
1: Well, all right. I'm not going to ruin the big surprise for AJ, but you got me because I thought that he had actually booked you to go on, which, by the way, I will say would be a much bigger get anyway. So very Not at very all. Good.
0: Hey, I have a question for you. All right. Is this the Leonard Fournette game? Ooh. Ty Johnson is on that injury report. He's questionable.
1: They call me the king of the transitions, but damn, that was good. That was really good. Um, I do think this is the Leonard Fournette game. And if you notice on the injury report, Ty Johnson, uh, is he listed as questionable? Shoulder? Yeah. Wait, is he out?
0: No, no, he's questionable. Micah Mike Hyde's
1: Mike out. Hides out. Questionable for Ty Johnson. He was a red non-contact jersey all week long. I think this is the Leonard Fournette game, and if you look at the final three games, this is maybe the look that they get at Fournette. They've seen what it's looked like with Ty Johnson, and you probably want to get that shoulder right for the playoffs. I think you roll out Leonard Fournette in this game and maybe take a little bit of the you know, wear and tear off of even James Cook, who had an illness this week, maybe not 100%. Let playoff Lenny get ready for the playoffs.
0: And that's just it. Josh Allen has said he looks at every game as a playoff matchup. And, yes, Fournette has that playoff Lenny nickname. He has been on social media the past few weeks saying he wants to hoop. Well, here's your opportunity with Ty Johnson dealing with his shoulder injury. I think this is an advantageous matchup for him. You bring him in. You mix him up up after James Cook. You know, Latavius Murray is still going to probably be running back, too. But there's a role that you can definitely get Fournette some carries and some looks.
1: I was listening to um, a podcast this week, The Athletic Football Show, and uh, Daniel Popper, who covers the Chargers, he went on with Zach Kiefer to talk about um, the Brandon Staley debacle and what's going on there. I mean, this is a franchise That is literally just the absolute pits of the NFL right now. I mean, you have, they're completely reshuffling the deck. I mean, they fired their general manager. They fired their head coach. I know there's always this thought that when teams do that, there might be a juice spike. I don't see that happening, but what's interesting about it is Brandon Staley was the one other NFL coach that I know of that calls the defense and it didn't work out. And Um, On the podcast, Popper mentioned that the thing that great defensive coordinators that call the defense as a head coach, why they're successful, I think this was a great point, is that they contract out the offense to somebody else. So I think of, even though that Leslie Frazier was the defensive coordinator, this has always really pretty much been Sean McDermott's defense. And I felt like with Brian Dable, that was the scenario. The, The offense was contracted out. To Brian Dable, to run it, to be the CEO of that unit. And I think in a lot of ways, that to me is what made them so successful. What maybe went awry with Ken Dorsey is that Dorsey wasn't ready or capable of that responsibility. And I'm wondering, have we seen the last four weeks that Joe Brady is? It
0: certainly looks that way. And, yes, it's still a small sample size, Matt. But the production speaks for itself. A Jets defense that had had its way with the Bills and Josh Allen lets up over 30 points. You go against the Eagles, they let up over 30 points. They had a little bit tougher goal of it against the Chiefs, but they pull out a win. And then you have this game against Dallas last week where Joe Brady, which... By the way, maybe the the thing I like most about him is he admitted to the media this week. He said, listen, the game plan wasn't to run James Cook as much as they did. It was working, though. So why would you go away from that? He adjusted in game. That is the sign of a great coordinator. And it's something that I think that Ken Dorsey struggled with. Sometimes things were working, but he tried to force something else. We're not seeing that so far with Joe Brady. And at one point, Joe Brady was the hottest coaching name out there after that stint at LSU. He goes to Carolina. He gets matched up with Matt Rule, and he ends up being the scapegoat there. So he goes to Buffalo, and right now his stock is maybe just as high as it was after, again, a small sample size because of what he's he's doing. He's getting the ball to his backs. He's letting James Cook be a weapon. He's unleashing Josh Allen. Hey, Josh, if your first read isn't there, don't be afraid to take off and run. It almost felt like with Ken Dorsey and Sean McDermott, it was the opposite where by no means are you running. You scan the field, you throw it away, do whatever you have to do. He has unleashed Josh Allen. He's made this offense run on a much higher level than what we've seen in some time.
1: I just noticed that, I like to kind of, like when we do these live shows, I like to kind of go back and forth from your face. But I've been looking at you a lot, and I'm wondering why. And you know what I think it is? When we do these shows virtually, we're literally staring at the computer and staring at each other. Right. Like gazing at each other from, what is it, 160 miles away. What is the distance from Ole to Buffalo?
0: Yeah, it's about that. I 160? Mean, a, little less, a little less. What is it? I I, I don't know. Oh, oh.
1: Joelle knows. She, yeah, she's
0: Google. Well, no, Google knows.
1: Also, you know another thing that I was thinking about today. I was at the barber shop, and this just came to me. I don't love goatees generally, but for some reason, it doesn't bother me on you.
0: There you go. You know. What do you think about
1: that? How long have you had a goatee? Have you ever had a full beard?
0: I like three days ago, and then I just. Why did you it down. shave it? I don't know. Just. Felt like it. I don't have a rhyme or reason for these things, but I have to keep some kind of uh, facial hair at all times. It's part of my contract with the wife. She said I can't go. Oh, it's
1: 75 miles. 75 miles. So you were oh, way well, off. We're, you, you were way been, off.
0: You said 160. I know, but
1: you live there. Yeah. All right. Um, all right, I want to get into another conversation here before we give our prediction for Sunday. So Josh Allen currently leads the NFL in total touchdowns. He doesn't, however, lead the NFL in total passing touchdowns. Brock Purdy does. I think he's at 29 and Allen's at 26. Uh, But Allen has more total touchdowns. Let me paint a picture for you. The Bills win the AFC East. They get to 11 wins. They're the number three or number two seed in the NFL or in the AFC. Allen has more passing touchdowns and more total touchdowns than Brock Purdy. Is he the MVP of the NFL?
0: I think, I think I'll say yes to that because sometimes it's the quarterback that gets hot down the stretch. But my argument would be that you're picking the wrong player from the 49ers. Ooh. I think Christian McCaffrey is the biggest threat in terms of who could be the MVP this year because I, I know it's not a running back league anymore, but that guy is special. He's scoring at will. I saw last week his odds for scoring three touchdowns in a game was something ridiculously low because, you know, these odds makers, they know that he's someone that gets in the end zone on a regular basis. And sure enough, he scored three TDs last week.
1: Um, We have a question here from Fred uh, over on YouTube. With Jordan Phillips on injured reserve, did the Bills make another defensive tackle signing or go with what they have in-house, I will say the Bills did work out two defensive tackles this week. Uh Sean McDermott mentioned it, uh I think, either today or on Wednesday. Uh, I think that they're going to stay in-house. I think this is the Puna Ford opportunity. I still think it's puzzling that he has not gotten any run to this point, even when everybody was healthy.
0: No, I agree with that because there was a lot of time where Tim Settle has not produced. Uh, he has come on as of late, though, but I think it's the Puna Ford game this weekend. You still have Elianku Anku on the practice squad. You can add another guy to your practice squad. And again, Jordan Phillips goes to the IR. Maybe you sign Anku to your main roster, and you sign one of those guys that you worked out to your uh, practice squad. But I-, I don't think that they have to go outside of their current roster, especially with Daquan Jones having that 21-day window activated.
1: Especially for this weekend. like You, could, you have options on your roster right now. You, like you mentioned, the Anku play. And I think that Jordan Phillips roster spot is probably going to go to somebody else. There's also like an outside chance. I know we've been talking this down for weeks, and we're the the kings of the pivot on Shout. You know, we always are kind of like going this way, that way. Justin Shorter could get a look at some point if they really wanted to. I still think that they're going to shut him down, but I think it's interesting. Like, most of the time when these guys are coming back from these season-long injuries, I don't know if this is a new deal, but they don't normally – get a designation for game weeks. Like, Justin Shorter has been ruled out this week, which I thought was interesting. So I'm, I'm not closing the door on that. I don't think it's very likely. But what they do with this roster spot, we might not know until even next week.
0: No, you're, you're right. I think there's a lot of uh, positions that are up in the air there. It, I don't know if they want to have another running back like Fournette signed to the main roster, but th- there are options in play for this team. Shorter, like I said, I thought he looked good on special teams this summer. But there's a long road for him in terms of being a wide receiver, a pure wide receiver on this roster. So it'll be interesting to see what they do.
1: Producer said, I got to eat the microphone, which is actually the direction that I usually give you at these shows. So, tsk, tsk, terrible. All right, so it's prediction time. We are at uh, Turning Stone Resort Casino, Verona, New York, at the New York Rec and Social Club. Just opened this week. There's TV's everywhere it is an amazing time it's bustling in here people are watching the games i'm sure they put in a couple bets uh watching to see if they uh go their way Uh, i may or may not have something going tonight we'll see i might throw the dice you never know i'm feeling lucky all right prediction time bills versus chargers what do you got yeah i have the
0: bills winning this one 34 to 13 another garbage time touchdown for the chargers much like dallas did one one week ago I don't see this being a close game. There's too much talent on Buffalo's side of the ball. They're rolling on offense. The defense has really figured things out, despite being without some key players for the majority of the season, Matt. Easton Stick's not going to be able to do enough in this game, and when you and I go live on what will probably be Christmas Eve, Bills fans are going to be pretty happy.
1: That's actually right. It'll be Christmas Eve because it'll be, what, about 12-ish, 12.30? right? And I'll be uh, making sure that hopefully my flight gets back on time and I don't get in the doghouse with my wife on Christmas Eve. All right, I got the Bills big in this one. 41 to 21, I believe was the final score. I put it in with Buffalo kickoff. Love. I can't remember it now. I think it's going to be an absolute firework show for this offense. I think Josh Allen, one week removed from not having to do anything, I think he's going to remind people what he could do in the passing game. And Like we talked about earlier in the show, there's so many guys on this offense that in any given week can be unleashed on a bad defense. Like the Bills have played good defenses the last couple of weeks. And I know the Eagles are struggling. They gave up 34 points. But it's still a defense that has a formidable defensive line. The Bills are going to see any of that in L.A. They're pretty healthy, especially on the offensive side. And then you look at the offensive line. I spent a lot of time talking to Spencer Brown this week, and I was really impressed with – His level of maturity for a guy that is a year removed from us talking about it every week, what's the long-term viability of Spencer Brown as a starting right tackle? He's entrenched in that spot now, and he's been a, a driving force in the development of Osiris Torrance, who now plays next to him. So I look for this offensive line to have a really big game. I'm interested to see how Brown holds up when he does get matched up against Khalil Mack. I got the Bills winning big.
0: Yeah, listen, I, I don't see any scenario where they can make this a fight, that being the Chargers. Uh, the, the Bills roll for another week. They wait to see what the Dolphins do against an embarrassed Cowboys team from one week ago. And I think we we roll into next week and then the final week of the season, maybe with the AFC's title on the line.
1: Thank you so much for watching on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Got ourselves a, a super check. You have to hit that, Ryan. You gonna be able to produce that right now?
0: Yeah, I think I can. Yeah, it's, get it's, it up there.
1: You got a long it's reach.
0: A playoff Lenny question. There you go. Get it in here. All right, with Ty's shoulder, do we see Playoff Lenny instead? You know, we talked a little bit about this, man. <laughs> I think this is maybe the opportunity for the Bills to get Fournette out on the field.
1: Yeah, and and I think it makes sense because you get three call ups, and then it gets reset once you get to the playoffs. So why not just get him out there and see what it looks like? I don't think you want to be in a situation where you get into the playoffs, something happens to, say, James Cook, Latavius Murray, and you haven't trotted out Fournette yet in this offense. I know he's gotten some practice time, so I'll be interested to see. The thing with Ty Johnson, though, is he plays special teams. So we'll see if Leonard Fournette, if he gets the call, is able to kind of chip in in that area.
0: Yeah, and listen, uh, fans have been waiting for this Fournette game since he's been signed, and Fournette's been pretty anxious about it, too. I think that it would be a really good matchup for him, like you said. You get so many elevations, and if he can show that he can be an asset for this team, he could be someone that you would play in the playoffs.
1: For Ryan but I am Matt Perino. Shout live from Turning Stone Resort Casino inside the New York Rec and Social Club is in the books Thanks for watching. We'll see you Saturday night. Take care, everybody.